time to get geeked up. Time to get geeked up to stand up comics telling you what's up in movies and TV. I know you could feel me. Music and gaming, you know what I'm saying. Comic books and tech, stuff you ain't up on yet. And if you are hooked, we're gonna go and take a closer look. And no show's the same. We always got a different game. Always got a different game. Hey, hey, it's time to get geeked up. What's going on, geeks? Welcome to the Geeked Up Podcast, Life in Coronaville, Episode 3. I'm Devin Barnes. With me always is Mr. Social Distance himself, Liam Whalen. Yo, yo, yo! What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Uh, since it is under the Life in Coronaville banner, I obviously am still calling into this thing instead of going into the studio. Yeah, I'm still making All Devin right. call from uh, call from the street outside. I won't let him up. To the apartment. Yeah, he's still looking up. It's raining out today. Come on, he's got man. his window. Today, he's got his face pressed outside the. Uh, he's got his nose pressed outside my window, and I won't let him in under uh, uh, New York state law. Yeah, I mean, I guess I could have called from home, but I, I try every week to try and get in the studio. Beat Liam there. Make him call in. But thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, remember to look back and some of the Netflix and chats we've been doing during this whole thing, starting, of course, with the Tiger King. Then we got sucked into the marriage story. Yeah, I'd probably course, su- uh, suggest the Tiger King if you want to laugh, a marriage story if you want to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd say it would probably really. be. And then also, we've been doing our live, uh, Life in Coronaville episodes here. This is episode number three. Uh, yeah, so uh, the last <laughs> couple weeks worth of geek news, all on the last, mm-hmm. uh, so relevant, topical enough stuff, because we've been putting them out every, you know, this is the third one we've done over the last couple weeks, so still exactly. got some relevant geek information out there on the uh, last two Life in Coronaville episodes, as well uh, put the whole phone conversation in a little more context with the first episode anyway. <laughs> But like I said, we've been doing these to keep you guys entertained, and honestly, to keep ourselves entertained. <laughs> yeah, more important. Crazy here in quarantine. And then also something we've been doing during this crazy time is we've been doing our Friday night geeked up Zoom room party. Yes, where they're interactive shows, where not really shows, well, yeah, I guess interactive shows where Liam and I invite all of our fans and past guests to come on and comment. Yeah, talk about. Uh, the Netflix questions, Netflix movies we should be watching, and the Netflix movies we have watched, and For some sure. of our closer look questions. We don't want to say uh, we don't want to say show officially, unquote, but uh, maybe like a little uh, more of an organized hang, you know, as we hang out, we talk <laughs> about a lot of the subjects that we've talked about throughout, throughout the week, you know, some of the closer looks, and uh, take your guys' thoughts on what you've been watching. And uh, all that, so we've been having a lot of fun the last couple of weeks. Thanks everybody for who's uh, joined the Zoom room the last couple of weeks, and uh, definitely look forward to seeing you guys during the next couple of weeks in the Geek Up Zoom room Friday nights. And like we do every week, we post a code and invite on our Facebook page. And of course, if you don't follow us on Facebook, you can always email us in for the code at geekeduppodcast at gmail.com. That's the Geeked Up Podcast. You got to put that the in there. Uh, that's at Gmail for our uh, uh, email. 
which rhymes, as well as uh, Facebook. <laughs> you can hit us up at as well. You can message us on the SoundCloud at uh, Geeked Up Podcast. All your medias. We're uh, we're out there, but then of course, uh, what we're doing at the end of these Zoom room shows is we're having your guys give us our golden ticket, golden ticket Netflix and chat suggestions. Uh, see what movie you want us to watch next. We'll yes. announce uh, tomorrow what we'll be watching. We already got a golden ticket one picked for the next episode, which will be uh, coming out in the next couple of days, and that's going to be the Mark Wahlberg movie. Yes. Spencer Confidential. <laughs> yes, Spencer Confidential with Mark Wahlberg, and uh, that one was not that one was left up to the uh, to the geeked up boys, by the way. <laughs> so you got us to blame for that. However, from here on in, we want to take more uh, your suggestions. So we got we're going to obviously be uh, letting you know at the end of uh, at the end of the Spencer Confidential episode what we're going to be watching next, which is a golden ticket pick. And uh, we will continue the trend. So we definitely we want to hear from you every Friday night on the Zoom room. Correct, correct. And I guess with that, that would get us into this uh, episode. Before we get into news, uh, Liam's favorite dark segment. We got some uh, R.I.P. things going on out there. Yeah, I kind of got I, I got shackled with the R.I.P. news because I got the microphone. So we don't want it to. Uh, we don't. We, we don't want an airplane to come overhead as Devin's uh, trying to give out the big R.I.P. news, and <laughs> we can't. <laughs> we don't want to break it. Can you hear me now? Uh, who died? What was it? <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> but uh, but I guess we do got a couple uh, uh, of uh, R.I.P. stories for this week. However, I guess in good news. Uh, uh, as opposed to our first uh, R.I.P. segment here in Coronaville, uh, neither one of the R.I.P.s are actually uh, COVID-related. All right, so I guess uh, mm-hmm. take that for what that you will here in uh, in Coronaville. But uh, I guess we'll start off with a little bit more of a main uh, mainstream fave. But uh, very sad to see Brian Dennehy passed. Uh, uh, which mm-hmm. I guess was uh, he was into his 80s, and this was uh, I guess like a heart attack, but uh, into his 80s. So great run for Brian Dennehy. Yeah, it really was, man. Famous, of course, for I think Tommy Boy, but he's also the okay, yeah. First Blood. Uh, Cocoon was his big other big movie. <laughs> Cocoon, yes, uh, uh, as well. I guess looking into him, but he was as well uh, uh, like a pretty accomplished like theater actor. It said he'd won like a couple of Tonys, and apparently, I guess he was in Romeo and Juliet. Remember with uh, with Leo okay, yeah. in the nineties? But then I guess he had like won a couple of Tonys, and I was like, what, Dennehy? But I guess he he was like a Shakespearean actor that, and then he won uh, both a Tony and an Emmy. For his performance of uh, Death of a Salesman. However, he'll for always be known as the guy from uh, Tommy Boy or Rambo on the Geeked Up show. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, Shakespeare, kind of Shakespeare. Got, like, I mean, uh, we got we got Tommy's dad. For sure. And he's definitely one of those kind of character actors because he has like over 180 credits, acting credits on his IMDb page. So he's got that Steven Root work ethic. <laughs> yes, that's true. Who again? It's kind of just funny. Is like he'll just so forever be Tommy's dad to me. <laughs> it's probably yeah. Probably, I mean, absolutely. Probably not yeah. his favorite thing in the world, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Or the pretty second place class. being the guy be from Rambo. <laughs> like you know, we're going way down in the list before I uh, before I get to Shakespeare, before I get to Romeo and Juliet. 
but I guess we have. And then uh, another R.I.P. news, really, uh, really shattering my childhood more than uh, uh, Barnes over here. I got a feeling, but uh, big news from the world of professional wrestling. But the Fink, Howard Finkel, who was uh, like the legendary ring announcer for the WWF, dating back to uh his work with Vince's dad in like the original WWF all right so all in all he worked with the company for over 40 years uh, as well was like the uh, uh main announcer for the Madison Square Garden arena for like uh you know 10 years or 20 years or so so an amazing career uh just you know in the like announcer world for Howard Finkel Gotcha. And not uh, like a broadcaster. Like, he was like the ring announcer. He'd be like at the garden, like, uh, for the Knicks, number 33, Patrick. So he, he wasn't was the Patrick the, uh, Ewing guy, but that guy. Uh, he was the poor man's let's get ready to rumble guy? Exactly, yes. He was like the, uh, <laughs> but he was like the original let's get ready to rumble guy in let's a lot of ways. Let's get ready to tussle. <laughs> exactly. Let's get ready to pretend to rumble. But he was, uh, uh, <laughs> like, he was the guy that literally coined the term Wrestlemania. So he might have literally came oh. up with the term Royal Rumble. And I guess he was known for, like, he gave a lot of uh, uh, the famous nicknames to characters. Like, Vince, the uh, WWF, all of those guys kind of wear, like, a lot of hats and are, like, influential in the, uh, like, the referees and all that stuff are also, like, the guy, the b- behind-the-screen writers and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of those on-TV personalities are, like, you know, uh, backstage you know, have a, a lot of weight backstage as well. I think the Fink was more. I guess the Fink was uh, his most famous on-screen, his most memorable on-screen performance. I guess for the Fink would be SummerSlam '98 when he shaved Double J Jeff Jarrett's head uh, 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 after he lost to a match with the X Pac. You know, X Pac from, uh, of course. I remember that. That was the sucky. Yeah, from the from of course from One Night in China. <laughs> the you know what that is. I don't. Oh, dude, that's the porn from with China. You know that like fucking oh, okay. that yes. like man I, I, that that yeah, man yeah, woman, yeah, yeah. and then she made this crazy porn with uh, the professional wrestler X Pac One Two Three Kid. So that guy was uh, uh, there was this bad guy Double J that shaved the Fink's head, and the Fink was already this hilarious bald guy. So this uh, bully wrestler shaved the Fink's already bald head, and then X Pac beat him, and then the Fink got to shave the bad guy's head. With everybody going nuts at SummerSlam, so Fink got some retribution there. <laughs> exactly, major revenge for the Fink, and he will be uh, remembered fondly. Here on the Geeked Up Podcast. So, I guess along with uh, uh, Brian Dennehy as well. So, we will uh, uh, give uh, a big Geeked Up RIP to them. And I guess move along. I guess moving along to the the news news. But this is kind of a mix of breaking news and kind of RIP news for a building. (laughs) But kind of breaking here in New York uh, a couple oh, yeah, hours that's ago. Right. You got uh, some. Uh... They uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade UCB, you know, home to a bunch of uh, comedians started by Amy Poehler, Matt Walsh, and others. They announced that they're closing their other two theaters here in New York City. Their Hell's Kitchen location and their training center at On Eighth Avenue are announced closed today, leaving no UCB theaters left in New York City at all. 
Wow. Yeah, this is yeah, very, I, uh, uh, very breaking news, I guess. The UCB company just being, uh, me and Devin obviously being, you know, local to New York and uh, in the comedy world. Uh, the UCB East facility, remember, closed like last year, was it maybe, or two years ago? And then they kind yeah, of set up that uh, Hell's Kitchen location up there. But I think in that process, they did a lot of renovations to that main theater in Chelsea, because I think mm-hmm. me and you saw a show, right, down there when it was still there, like the standing room only portion and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. But uh, the I Chelsea think they... Theater closed okay, in I'm sorry, 2017, and the East Village Theater closed last year. Okay, yes. But, I mean, just in all honesty, this is definitely a sign of a lot of things to come for performance spaces like that in New York City, where it's just, you yeah. know, they, as well, I guess, the because mayor announced today... Is... I guess just speaking uh, real quick, just speaking in Coronaville, but the mayor announced today that there definitely would not be uh, large gatherings in New York City until at least uh, June, uh, until at least July, I suppose. He said through June, and I imagine with July 4th being, you know, in the uh, uh, right in the cusp, you know, uh, that would pretty much, I'd say, call off the fireworks, at least unofficially for now. But, you know, you'd have to imagine something like that would be canceled. But Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, but uh, so a lot of venues like that, you know what I mean, that are a couple hundred person venues are uh, going to just have to look. And, you know, if, if they do not realistically see an opening time within the next couple of months, it's going to make, I guess, you know, big business decisions to come. But... Like Devin said, just a legendary comedy troupe and just brand of comedy uh, in New York City. Obviously, secondhand, uh, Second City in Chicago and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a handful of other groundlings. And, you know, a, a small handful of these comedy troupes have really provided just, you know, uh, a, a huge percentage of, like, the famous uh, faces in comedy right now. Absolutely, man. And this is definitely a coronavirus fatality, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I definitely. can't afford to keep the theater open during everything being closed here. But they're also saying that UCB is not gone forever. They'll still be doing classes at, like, rented-out theaters. They'll still be doing shows at rented-out theaters. They just don't really have a theater, well, they don't at all, have a theater of their own right now. And as of now, they really have no plans on starting a new one anytime soon. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. very, very sad from uh, just a New York City comedy standpoint. Such a staple and such a, a cool, unique comedy experience in New York City. Uh, like Devin says, I guess they do, you know, uh, uh, just in terms of like a business model for UCB, a lot of their money probably does come from like classes and all that kind of stuff. And they can, I guess, still, like you said, produce shows at, you know, big theaters, especially for the bigger names and like the main rosters of UCB. But the whole kind of gimmick of UCB is seeing, you know, young improv comics coming up the ranks and like being able to go there seven nights a week and, you know, not uh, not know what to expect is a lot different than the, you know, big rented out theater experience for the mm-hmm. big who's who of UCB to put on, you know, shows. So just definitely, uh, uh, definitely a sad day for New York City comedy, I guess, from that standpoint. Yeah, no, I uh, absolutely agreed. And I would say another sad day in uh, comedy in general was the uh, World Health Organization just put on a special on TV the other day <laughs> called yeah. uh, One World Together at Home, co-hosted by Jimmy Fallon, Stephen Colbert, and Jimmy Kimmel. The three big heavy hitters. Uh, Conan wanted nothing to do with this. <laughs> I, I was going to say, a big <laughs> snubski from, uh, uh, for TBS over there. 
I guess this is officially yeah. getting us into the big news portion, obviously. But uh, as well, that was, you know, broadcast on all of the telethon, uh, major telethon style broadcast on all the different networks. It was, yeah, it was broadcast on everything. Obviously, NBC, CBS, and ABC, but, like, every one of their, like, subsidiaries, too. Like, Nat Geo and, like, MSNBC. Yeah, yeah. All the, every, like... I mean, I guess just in this world of uh, a little bit of a, a lack of programming, you're kind of looking for some live, fresh content. And I guess that's definitely what you got. And that was definitely the uh, coolest part of the experience was just something uh, live happening, you know, something happening live, as well as kind of like the new experience in uh, uh, in Coronaville, like we talked a little bit about in the last mm. couple episodes, the kind of involvement uh, in entertainment and, uh, you know, obviously, of, co- of course, all the different Zoom TV shows and everything that's been going on. But this kind of that to the next level with the whole uh, this concert. One, I would say, uh, if you remember in the first episode of Life in Coronaville we did, we talked about how there was a Comedy Gives Back charity that they did on yes. kind of Zoom chat. And it was a mess. It yes, was great. Laughing. I was more into it than this. But... Uh, this one was obviously like pre-recorded. It wasn't live, like so. That's true. Could, I guess like, it wasn't exact. Yeah, it yeah, was that's, definitely that's more of a smooth sailing to this one. No, for sure. Definitely much more of a professional touch. Then laugh it, and we'll get into it in a minute even uh, uh, with Will- with Williathon, with, with Willie's Weedathon that we'll get into <laughs> in a minute too. But even that one was like so much more professionally put together than laugh Aid. We're like looking back, and honestly, dude, like just the day like laugh Aid was on a Saturday, that comedy thing. By the next Monday, like every TV show was doing this, and it was totally smooth sailing. I think laugh Aid just like because – I just I- think they were the first to do it, and everyone got to take notes from them. Yeah, like, yeah, I guess so. But it's like, just like theirs right. was so far and away, like the sloppiest chit show out of any of these. But uh, but yeah, this one definitely much more smooth, professional kind of feel, and uh, uh, definitely uh, much more star-studded kind of cast. You know? Yeah, I think the whole thing was um, put together by Lady Gaga too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was put together by the Who. And- Although, uh, false advertising because it was the stupid World Health Organization, unquote. <laughs> right? Yeah. I thought the Who was playing. This is bullshit. I want my money back. From this yeah, you watched the whole time. You were up. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I was waiting the whole time for my generation. And then I find out it was the World Health Organization, unquote. But they were, I guess, the, uh, uh, of course, the main, like, benefactors and Cherry putting it on. I guess the whole uh, ensemble, however, was curated by Gaga, who put on uh, quite the all-star cast, of course, uh, Paul McCartney, Stevie Wonder, Elton John, uh, Eddie mm-hmm. Better, Billy Joe, however, not wearing mascara uh, in my face after... Making fun of him uh, uh, when we teased this whole thing. <laughs> and then he showed up looking very normal, uh, uh, crushing when September comes on acoustic. So really making me look bad. Uh, uh, yeah, I will say the highlight from that was, uh, like you already mentioned, Eddie Vedder playing on the uh, accordion. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, Eddie, uh, uh, nobody wants a new one, Eddie, all right? Can you do Can you do black, for God's sakes? Give me something we can use. Eddie gave something. Eddie gave us something off Gigatron on, like, an organ. <laughs> but, and I guess I will give well, you another big uh, teaser real quick, but full... I was going to say, at least he wasn't um, playing the ukulele like he did for that whole album. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean Eddie's no uh, Eddie's no stranger to to weird shit, but I guess as well uh, teaser alert. But full breakdown of this concert coming up on the next episode of Big LW's Jammin' World podcast, where I come at you with eyewitness concert reviews, concert reviews from a man who was there to witness them. But uh, uh, next episode, I'm going to be giving you a full breakdown, a full review of this concert experience as well in uh, great detail, in, in much further detail. But Am I uh, expecting a Netflix and chat uh, men on film hating it? <laughs> I mean, you got to listen, but uh, uh, definitely, I guess if you want my opinion, if you want my quick feelings on that, I don't know how you felt, but I was a little bit surprised, first of all, that there was commercials all right, being only yeah, a two-hour okay, telethon too. bought on on every single network. Very surprised to have regular standard commercial breaks as well as, like, full-on paid sponsor breaks. Where, like, Pepsi or whoever, if they if they ponied up enough yeah, cash, no, they would get, like, a full-on minute promo. And then they would cut to a commercial break. You know what I mean? So it was a two-hour event. Uh, however, when you fa factor in just commercials and promos, you're probably only getting like an hour and 20 minutes maybe of actual content. And then a lot of that as well, very rightfully so, but went to, you know, uh, and they said it was not like it was not a telethon where they were not raising money at the time. Everything was raised in advance. However, they did give you a lot of, you know, PSAs and interviews with, you know, doctors and people on the front line and healthcare workers and all that, which was obviously great. And you definitely want to see that from uh you want to get a little bit of a feel of that kind of you know thing on a telethon however just uh what were your thoughts about the commercials and all no i i, I honestly said that out loud too when i was watching it i was, the same thing i would like kind of fast forward through the commercials and, and i was like wait my fast forward the commercials and then had to go back and be like wait is this like a this commercial a part of the special it was yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. It was very confusing. Because those, like, some of those PSAs weren't that much different than the promos. Like, the PSA would be, like, uh, a big shout-out to the healthcare workers, and then Pepsi would do a promo that was a big shout-out to the healthcare workers, but then at the end there'd be, like, a Pepsi logo, you know, and then they'd cut to a Pepsi commercial. But it was... Uh... Uh, uh, it was interesting, though, but uh, uh, all in all, I'd say that it was just really cool, and I was just getting, uh, uh, you know, I was just really into the, you know, new, fresh content, and it is exciting just uh, uh, going to so many different artists and just seeing the different presentations and, you know, uh, uh, where they set up shop to perform and just their different selections and all that is uh, definitely, you know, you, you, you almost get FOMO from the whole experience, you know, where just like, uh, and I guess I can get into it more with the uh, uh, the Willy Weedathon that I watched for uh, almost five hours, for over five hours yesterday. But I'm sure you yes, were dealing. Yes, uh, that would be the other. Yeah, but you were dealing crazy. with it when you said when you watched Laugh Aid. When you're watching these things for so long, you don't want to miss. Like you don't want to turn it off because you're like, dude, I've been watching this for three hours. I'm not going to miss it when uh, when Burr finally shows up. You know. Exactly. As well, big uh, Scroogey for me, as I was I was joking around about the Who playing, but somehow I got it in my head that Bruce was playing, so I literally watched to the end of this goddamn thing, expecting Bruce to close it off, and then it ends with the big, like, Gaga John Legend on the texting on the stairs. Did you watch the end? Did you make it all the way to the end? With, for the no, most anticlimactic like ending of all time? 
They like did a zoom. No, I did not watch it. They did like a zoom harmony with uh, I guess the the ultimate highlight for a quick rundown. But the Stones did like a great zoom harmony where they were uh, all on four different screens. Obviously, like studio tracks. Like Devin said, it wasn't live, but uh, uh, so they did a great zoom, you know, performance. But uh, uh, then it ended with uh, uh, with Gaga, uh, Celine Dion, uh, Andre Bocelli, uh, and John Legend. Who was uh, uh, literally like uh, you were with like three of the great singers in the world? And John Legend is doing this like while like sitting on the stairs texting in his apartment, like not paying attention to the big closer. <laughs> it was fucking amazing. But as well, did, as, as well, did you suspect a Joe Exotic situation with J Lo on People? <laughs> but totally a fake voice for J Lo on her song. <laughs> But, uh, uh, I think John Legend was probably uh, texting uh, Fallon or Kimmel and be like, hey, I thought Bruce was closing this thing out. Well, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what, I was, uh, that's, what I, that's what I was texting. But uh, I guess that was one webcast uh, I guess I did mention. But I guess last night there was another webcast of, uh, uh, I guess, as well, uh, a traditional telethon style for a very, very righteous cause, but a little more topical uh, as in honor of 420, okay? That's and right. I, as of recording, it was uh, 420 yesterday. Yes. We're recording on 421, and yesterday, uh, in honor of 420, as well as uh, Willie Nelson's upcoming birthday, Willie Nelson and the Nelson family hosted what was supposed to be a four-hour and 20-minute uh, a variety show webcast. It ended up lasting almost six hours, <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I tuned in for the entire thing. <laughs> uh, uh, how about you? Did you tu- tune in any? I, I know I made a couple posts on my Facebook, and uh, this I tried is one to of those get things you... that I I wish I knew about it earlier. I would have totally watched the whole thing. By the time I found out about it, I was just kind of like clicking in and out, and I was uh, you know maybe celebrating all day, and was just like, well, I don't want to get this now, but I did see like. It definitely had more of a feel of the comedy gives back thing than the uh, the World Health Organization. Yes, definitely. It. I mean, it was live streaming. It was more live. I did see a little cooking segment. I saw Ziggy Marley come in and play a little bit. Yes, it's definitely something I'm going to go back though and watch the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the whole thing, like because, like I said, we're talking like <laughs> five plus hours. But it was, uh, in all honesty, super super fun, and and just compared to Laugh Aid, just so much more well organized and like the uh, no technical, di- uh, so much less technical difficulties. But it was really just a super fun variety show kind of experience with lots of different you know folk music as well as uh, uh, marijuana advocacy uh, as well as various like comedy uh, and cooking segments uh, uh, they gave you a how to clean your bowl with household products segment as well as a whole uh, 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 how to grow tutorial live from Willie Nelson's weed farm Willie's reserve <laughs> <laughs> But the uh, whole thing was really, for the most part, uh, uh, in benefit as well. I do want to give a big shout-out for the Last Prisoner Project, okay, which uh, is trying to gain relief for the over 40,000 people currently incarcerated on marijuana-related charges, uh, over 90% of which are possession-related 
All right. So uh, ridiculous. Yeah, thousands of people incarcerated for something that's now legal in you know a lot of states and soon to be legal. So that was the main. So you got a lot of uh, a feel and a lot of PSAs uh, where, where the World Health Organization was giving you the healthcare workers, and they're cool too. Willie was giving you. <laughs> <laughs> Willie was giving you uh, the Last Prisoner Project and a lot of different marijuana-related advocacy in terms of you know medicinal benefits for CBD as well as uh, uh, you know the Last Prisoner Project and all that kind of stuff. So uh, uh, really cool from there. But just in all, I guess some of the highlights were Jeff Ross live in his pool, uh, Jeff Bridges live in his garage, all right, on an organic wood guitar. <laughs> and I don't know, uh, like I was obviously celebrating a lot too, but next to, I, I had my little pad of notes, and next to the Jets, uh, Jeff Bridges segment, I wrote down John Goodman Welcome Mat. And I've got no idea what the fuck that was. <laughs> this was just yesterday, and I was so high that I totally forgot. But I don't know if that was like a joke that I wrote, or he had some John Goodman welcome at. But i got to get to the bottom of that. I might have to YouTube the Jeff Bridges segment to get to the bottom yeah, of I that. I might just have to go back and watch this and that alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Kevin Smith live at, uh, at 420 in Los Angeles because Willie was central time zone. So it started, you know, 520 east, 420 in Texas. So at uh, uh, 420 in the west, Kevin Smith live from Los Angeles, totally fanboying out. Uh, uh, there was a hilarious mag- like uh, a magician that kept on coming on and if you thought magic was kind of like boring and confusing while live in person think about trying to do it over zoom to <laughs> Willie Nelson <laughs> like hey guess what card I pulled and Willie kept on giving like hack like 420s like so you pick any number and Willie's like well I guess today 420 and the whole gimmick was the guy had to guess what number it was so he was just like yeah I know it's pretty <laughs> obvious that Willie would guess 420 but I'm a magician and I would have got it anyway but uh, he kept on ruining all of his all, all of his little gimmicks like that it's fucking amazing it's amazing uh, uh, I guess in terms of some good music, though, Shaky Graves and Stephanie Hunt, uh, Nathaniel Rateliff, uh, even Billy Ray Cyrus with uh, uh, with some uh, uh, great Willie covers and hilarious stories while totally hammered <laughs> was, was a real highlight. But all in all, like I said, I just really had like a fear of missing out kind of thing after five hours. I was just like, all right, dude, I'm pot committed to this whole situation, and I cannot, uh, uh, I cannot, you know, risk missing out anything I'm, I'm happy i made it for the zoom closer of uh, uh the nelson family of course lucas from uh, the star is born as we talked about but he was the uh, okay. guy that taught bradley cooper how to sing for the star is born as well as willie's other son micah uh, and willie all zooming together for an on the road again which should have closed it out. However, the webcast had lasted like another hour and a half. <laughs> but yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, you would think it would close out or open with the Nelson boys, but not a. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, Willie and his son Lucas were there the whole time, hosting like in person. And who the hell knows where Micah was? But he uh, he zoomed in with uh, uh, actually a hilarious story about going grocery shopping that day. But it was amazing, honestly. <laughs> and again, you might have needed to be in the 420, uh, the April 20th frame of mind, but happy birthday but I mean, to Willie and definitely. Everyone's home, uh, everyone's home quarantining everywhere and there's no need to, there's no reason why you're not allowed to get to a, 
the holiday mood, if you will. Yes, exactly, exactly. But a very, again, uh, just a, a real super fun and really just honestly a very good sign of things to come in my book over this weekend for uh, those two webcasts. Because they actually are real fun. And, you know, to do them, uh, this was more of a variety style. The first one of music. We've seen a comedy one. But just in general, you know, uh, uh, it actually is a real fun, you know, option that I think is going to become a lot more prevalent in our, you know, uh, future entertainment as we you know uh, go through life in coronaville here yeah i mean we've been having a lot of fun doing those webcasts and it seems like we're not alone in it. everyone really is but i guess that would be the uh, kind of the live uh, fundraisers organization news with stuff they did on zoom and online but in real clotted tv uh there was a couple of a uh, miniseries finale and then a season finale for a show. And I guess I'll kick it off with uh, Better Call Saul on Monday had its season five finale. Of course, uh, Better Call Saul, the uh, Breaking Bad spinoff that has... Uh... Yeah, it's a prequel series to uh, Breaking Bad with Bob Odernick playing Saul Goodman. Kind of shows how the sleazy lawyer got its start. Um, the show's really taking on a life of its own. It's a fucking great show, you know, and there's enough characters from Breaking Bad in it that uh, really keep it going. Something I found interesting is the show needs to wrap up, not because it's not good, but it's actually going to be lasting more seasons than Breaking Bad did. Okay, yeah, that was definitely one of the real uh, interesting factors. And like you said, this show definitely really has taken on a life of its own and a real popularity of its own. But uh, uh, really, in a lot of ways, just when you combine it with almost like in a, a curb Seinfeld kind of thing. But really, when you combine it with Breaking Bad, it's really uh, just turning into like a, a real legendary fr television franchise. The whole Breaking Bad, which really goes sure, down as one of the great you know shows of the last twenty years. Anyway, you really could watch. I mean, I don't know how it's all going to end, but you really could watch Better Call Saul, and it would lead right to Breaking Bad. Maybe it's really like an 11 season show if you wanted to go down that route. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because exactly. It's still Vince Gilligan, too, that's like in control of this. It's not like he called it quits after Breaking Bad and was like, all right, now you can go make like a. Uh the Jesus Bowls kind of movie. And it's so <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. They didn't like outsource like, it. I mean, even like the Walking Dead series, uh, uh, sorry, but even like the Walking Dead series, like you said, there's the, the spinoffs are like, they've gotten up to three different spinoffs and the timelines are like so individual to their own show that it's not even, mm -hmm. you know, it's like the same franchise, but it's not really the same storyline necessarily. Whereas Correct, the Better Call Saul Breaking Bad is pretty much, you know, uh, uh, really, like, totally in canon with one another, if you, if you want to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even so, man, like, kind of like you said, like, go to industry, they even made the uh, movie, the El Camino movie, like, a couple months ago on Netflix, which was the uh, sequel to Breaking Bad. It shows what happens to Jesse after Breaking Bad. Yes, another part of the franchise that I totally forgot about. But uh, uh, El Camino... Which did you ever see? I actually never even saw that, but yeah, it's a Netflix original, so you never know. I might get a yeah. ticket one of these days. Put it on the list. Uh... But yeah, so between the movie, but the series is great. You know, you can definitely tell. That I think this season is the first season he's actually been going by Saul Goodman, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, you just really see the descent of him becoming a sleazy lawyer. Something else about the show that's kind of interesting is one of his first ideas to make the show, it was going to be a half-hour comedy. 
and it was just going to be Saul getting a different wacky client every episode. And it was okay, be like thirty minutes, That's just kind of like comedy show. I mean, of course, and that is dead. one of the big stories for me, at least, is Bob Odenkirk, of course, from you know Mr. Show, and really just mm-hmm. you know a great comedic mind, and this really being a huge break. I really guess Breaking Bad, even, but uh, a huge breakout role for him as a dramatic actor. Totally, I guess he did a couple years ago the movie Nebraska, and he's like definitely. Uh, you know, tried to get into the more dramatic acting field, but really crushing it with Better Call Saul and really reinventing himself as, like, it's hard yeah. to imagine him now as a goofy uh, sketch comedy show guy with David Cross, you know. For sure. And it's interesting, too, kind of like you said, because I think when his character first showed up on Breaking Bad, it was such an obvious, like, oh, yeah, like, that goofy bastard, of course he could play, like, a uh, eccentric, sleazy lawyer. But... When you really go into backstory and better call Saul and just see how he like kind of just came up and like wasn't just always a total scumbag and everything, there the real the more dramatic role really plays in. And like you were saying, it is crazy to see it be Bob Odenkirk yeah, in yeah. like a, a dramatic role. It really is pretty nuts. And again, yeah, like no, it's just sure. kind of crazy now that it's overpassing Breaking Bad in the many seasons it was. It's kind of showing how popular this show is. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and Breaking Bad, I think, is definitely one of those that uh, kind of, I mean, obviously much later than The Wire, but I feel has, like, gained a lot of popularity after it's went off. It's really kind of uh, uh, gained the reputation as, like, an all-time show, and I guess especially in these day and age of the binge-watching whole experience and all that kind of stuff, so many people have jumped on that show after it was already off that it was... uh, you know, because would you say it was only five seasons? That's even surprising to me as well that that only was five seasons. Five seasons, yeah. Well, that was uh, looking that up. I was pretty surprised about that too because I felt like that show was on for so long. Yeah, yeah, me but too. They did do that thing though, like in season five, like they did like the mid-season break and then the final like half of that. Season okay, yeah, that's right. Like a year later, yeah, they gave yeah, the whole yeah. year off. I guess who does that? Walking Dead does the other half, the half-season break. Yeah, Walking Dead does that a lot. The All-Star break. Uh, yeah, a lot of shows have jumped on that bandwagon. Mad Men did that. Uh, I guess there was AMC another... Uh, no, no, I'm it. sorry. But uh, I guess another show, though, just uh, wrapped up for... Uh, uh, ultimately for good, I guess, because it was just a miniseries from HBO. And I know me and you have talked about it uh, before on some of the uh, Coronaville episodes that we've both been watching and enjoying the uh, plot against America on HBO. Mm-hmm. TV miniseries, six-episode miniseries on HBO, uh, based off the Philip K. Roth book and produced by, speaking of The Wire, uh, David Simon, and also uh, Ed Burns was a producer creator of it also. Yes, best known from uh, uh, the upper deck of City Field with me and Barnes <laughs> <Right>. over there. <laughs> but as Correct. we saw, uh, I think we probably talked about it, but we saw uh, uh, Ed, Ed Burns showing his son where the uh, average shitheads in the world have to sit at a game. Because <laughs> he literally just like, walked up to the upper deck with his son and then like walked away. <laughs> it was like, wait a minute, is this not your seat? Like, What are you doing here? Yeah, Dad, it's scary up here. Can we go back to our seats? Yeah, can we go back to the luxury box, please? Uh, I don't want to be an average New Yorker. This is, <laughs> but the series is ultimately like not necessarily an alternate universe, but I guess an alternate history where like Roosevelt lost the presidential election of 1940 to Charles Lindbergh. And it turns out Charles Lindbergh, not a big fan of the Jewish people. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a what if 
Charles Lindbergh would have won What Would America Have Been Like, which was, uh, I guess, really the main, you know, interesting part of the show. And uh, I guess kind of like a new way to hate America, you know, (laughs) for like a history that never even really happened. It was kind of like Racism, the Legends series. You know, from Star Wars. It's, like, not exactly in canon with history, but, you know, like... The same thing, like you said, though. It's definitely, you know, got to be, like, enough historical accuracies where, you know what I mean? Like, the Klan definitely was burning people up, and uh, I'm sure there was definitely some type of... I'm sure there was definitely some type of, like, institutional racism that, like, transplanted families and all that kind of stuff. Well, for sure. And I bet, like, you know, I'm sure a lot of it wasn't out of context, like calling Ford, like, an open racist. I'm sure he was in real life, you know? Yeah. And I looked it up, too, just, like, who Charles Lindbergh was. The only thing I really knew about him was, you know, his baby got kidnapped. I all I knew about was about the Lindbergh baby. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it turns out he did start, like, some America's first group, and it was, like, pretty much an anti-Semite. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, kind yeah, yeah. of uh, as we as we as we often get into, but really not much of a reader, so did not read the uh, original book Plot Against America, which as well I guess is another interesting thing, but apparently uh the team of uh, uh Simon and Burns did get permission to kind of change the ending from the book. Okay, so if you did read the book and then watch along the series, the ending was apparently changed from the uh, uh, book. But like you said, it's definitely like you know that it's not historically true. However, you really like I really don't have much of a historical reference as to really be, you know, be able to find uh, find pick the uh, uh, fiction from the facts, you know. Correct, dude, correct. Uh, It's also you can definitely tell how. This uh, TV series definitely can come out during kind of this Trump America that we live in. For sure. Oh, definitely, yeah. Lot, especially like in the first episode where like, he's not even a politician. He's just like some rich daddy's boy. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> like, are we even trying to hide it here? <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Lots of parallels and lots of, uh, uh, I think, the ending uh, of the, the finale as well was a very much... Of, you know, speaking to uh, the relevancy of today's political climate, you know what I mean? And the importance of of not letting, of you know, uh, of the people having the power over the politicians and whatnot. But, I mean, definitely just a, a great political story, like you said. Uh, just a great, you know, story if you want to take a historical context out of it altogether. A pretty good story. Uh, uh, and like I said, you know, just in terms of political history and everything, like we said, I'm sure very accurate in terms of, you know, the John Turturro character. I'm sure there was definitely, you know, political puppets that were uh, being mm-hmm. manipulated and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure history is full. And that would be very interesting where I know that there was also a podcast, not to speak about the competition uh, necessarily but there was a plot against america podcast uh, uh, on every episode where burns and simon would you know speak in detail and given just the whole nature of the show it would be very i think interesting uh, uh, on an episode to episode basis to kind of talk about you know how uh, uh, where the fiction came from and the inspiration as well as the truth and inspiration behind some of the uh, that stuff so Absolutely, yeah, I think that would be interesting, too. Because really, uh, like you were saying, too, even not the history part, but just the acting in it was really good. Um, I think everyone played a role to part, except, uh, you know, I think they would have recast Wayne Jonah Ryder. 
I don't know. Yeah. You honestly, uh, you called her out in one of the, uh, you know, a couple episodes ago, and then ever since then I've been watching, and she really was a little Stranger Things panicked in this one. It's like the the, the yeah. finale. It's like you know, a space aliens not after you, right? Like you don't need to. Uh... Yeah. She was on that scary look, and I just, you know, I can never really get, like, over, like, yeah, reality bites by Nona Ryder, where she was just like, for sure, Rabbi, this is totally bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, as well, we talked a little bit about him uh, from the marriage story, but the kid from the marriage story was the little kid from this. Mm -hmm. And uh, he did an amazing job, especially in the ultimate climax of the season. Uh, Yeah, uh, I think no kid did better, though, than that little neighbor of theirs, though. (laughs) I know. Uh, In Barnes style, over the phone as well. His phoner was amazing, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's right. But yeah, that kid really, I guess, uh, uh, Bradley Cooper, uh, in Bradley Cooper fashion, uh, maybe we won't give you a, t- a full Bradley Cooper fashion, but really, uh, yeah, that kid was, that kid, that kid was quite the, quite the tale. Yeah, yeah, he definitely got the short on a lot of those things. Yeah, man. But all in all, I thought it was a uh, pretty great series. As many series goes, I always like getting into a miniseries because I know there's going to be an end. It's not going to gut me in for like three seasons. Yes, no, no, for sure. Definitely six episodes and out. That, that's enough of the story, though. You know what I mean? Uh, that's one of those. And as well, that, uh, like, they definitely could have done a season two. You know what I mean? Like, there's enough story involvement going. Obviously, just, you know, taking you through uh, an alternate history. Oh, of, sure. You could bring us all the way today. But just with the current story, the current characters that they had you invested in and everything like that, like, they could definitely. By the way, loved uh, a hilarious Ginzo neighbor that moved in. <laughs> Best character? <laughs> yes. <laughs> But uh, I guess you gotta <laughs> you gotta watch to know. But definitely would recommend that series, especially only being a mini series. But mm. yeah, and it did have a definitive end, like you said. It could be like could have sequels, but there's really no need for it. Uh, unlike there was that HBO Stephen King miniseries, The Outside, where that was pretty terrible, and it also kind of like left it ambiguous, like be another season it's like oh, fuck you you advertise as a miniseries <laughs> that's what you want like, I know seriously but yeah so I mean that was uh, the two finales obviously the Podcast America was a series finale better called Saul was a season finale probably wrapping up that series I'm pretty sure um, and then something else I think I don't know if it was episode one or two of Eleven Coronaville where we kind of talked about all of the movies uh, early premiering you know, streaming services. And one that Liam and I both took advantage of, not only because it was Floor 20, but also we're both big Guy Ritchie fans and more so his original, kind of his original stuff, like Lock, Lock Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch. Huge yeah, King Arthur gentleman. fan. <laughs> I'm a big one where he gets uh, stuck in an island with Madonna. <laughs> oh yeah, that fucking the one where she browbeat her husband to yeah, make a movie starring her. Exactly. But the gentleman definitely kind of went back to uh, you know the kind of original feel of his movies. For sure. I said it'd be like if Tarantino went back to his Reservoir Dog kind of pulp fictiony ways, you know, instead of just making everything a western. Yes, great call. That's a very good uh, comparison. I feel you know Guy Ritchie perhaps has to try to like reinvent himself. I guess he came out. 
of the gates, kind of in that English gangster genre, and then really broke himself out of that. And then, like you said with this one, really getting himself back into it, but just a lot of fun. You know, not exactly Turkish or any, like, all-time characters like Snatch, but some real fun, uh, real fun uh, just uh, individual characters. I thought Colin Farrell was real fun. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, just a great, like, pace to the movie, just real, you know, frantic and all over the place, like an interesting, almost a whodunit kind of uh, scenario, or, you know, uh, waiting to see how the plot all unfolds, but... Yeah, really, because it starts off in kind of, uh, there's a lot of rope jokes in a lot of twists. You know, it starts off with kind of, you think it's going to give the ending away, and then there's a lot of stuff goes on in it. I would also say that for like a British-centered movie, it was kind of, you would think out of place to see Matthew McConaughey in a movie like this, but uh, really owned the role, man. Yeah. Now, McConaughey, as well, who is, of course, uh, uh, featured on Willie Nelson's web- webcast yesterday, fellow Austonian. <laughs> but, yeah, he actually did great and uh, uh, playing, like, the American gangster uh, in England, you know, controller of, like, the weed industry in England. But, you know, with his adversaries being other English gangsters, really did uh, own the role and was, uh, you know, real a real highlight of that movie as well. Hugh Grant yeah, even really was real it. good as kind of the weaselly, you know, uh, uh, trying to double cross everybody, blackmail everybody, you know. Uh, uh, he was good. Yeah, Hugh Grant was great in it. Uh, like you said, Colin Farrell was really good in it. Even the dope from uh, Sons of Anarchy, Charlie Hunnam, was really good in it. And, um, he's oh, dude, fan. is that guy from Sons of Anarchy? I was wondering where I knew that guy from. <laughs> Yeah, man, his right hand man. That's old Jack Teller himself. Oh, oh no way! I was. Oh yeah, dude. I was like, I couldn't put my finger on where that fucking guy was from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, with him, he always he likes to keep a lot of uh, the same actors in this movie, so he's here and there. Where was Statham? I was looking for him. I was. Yeah, he, was he, he would have been perfect uh, in this. I mean. Where was that big dope that plays Bullet Tooth Tony? Where is that? Guy? Yeah, that soccer player. I forget that guy's name, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that guy, that guy's, yeah, he, where was he? But this one was as well, I felt, like you said, getting back into it. But Lockstock was very, was like real intense, you know what I mean? Like in the heroin trade. This one was just a lot more fun because it was about weed, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it just had that kind of, not exactly pot, like not exactly stoner movie feel, but just a lot more of like a light, uh, much more of like a snatch than a Lockstock where it was just like a real fun you know, fast-paced sure. thrill ride, but uh, uh, not, you know, like the bathroom scene in Lockstock is fucking insane, you know what I mean? Like, that movie's, yeah. that movie's off the rails, but... So nothing like that, Absolutely. but... No, nothing like that, but it's definitely got, like, a good comedy meets like... Meets, done it, yeah. Comedy meets grow up. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I guess that'd be all, like, the news we had for you this week and kind of reasons to talk about the gentleman. But, you know, with all this weed talk about uh, Gentleman and Willie Nelson's podcast, and with it being 420 yesterday, I think we got a pretty special closer look coming for you guys now. Closer look, closer look, closer look. Break out the telescope, then the microscope. All of your other scopes, it's exactly what you hold. We're going to look real close. Take a closer look. Closer look. Closer look. All right, so welcome to the Closer Look section of the show. Of course, that was the uh, Andre Davi rendition of the Closer Look. 
not to be mistaken with the uh, Liam Whalen rendition from Close last luck. episode of Netflix and Jack. <laughs> yeah, I took over for him last time, last episode. But uh, we went back to basics on that one. That was the Andre Dobby version. But uh, like we were saying, with us watching The Gentleman and talking about the Willie Nelson uh, live stream and being 420 yesterday, we're going to take a closer look at uh, best pothead stoner movies. I guess some characters, but uh also want to point out in a very uh four twenty esque uh thing that there's a good chance we might have done this closer look before. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess uh the the question is how many four twenties have we celebrated with this very clever topical uh, <laughs> dude, best stoner movies <laughs> Yeah, so take a listen back and see if uh, our opinions change at all. But uh, Yeah, no definitely <laughs> But I mean, I yeah, but like you said, what's more of a, a stoner thing than doing your favorite activity a million and one times? <laughs> 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 I told you that story, but I get to start it off. Uh, I'll kind of uh, maybe I said this before too. I don't think so, but I'll start it off in an honorable mention kind of way, and just name some characters that are always uh, kind of implied that they were potheads, okay. but you never actually saw them. Really saw them smoke. Good I call. would start with, I would say, uh, Wayne and Garth. Uh, <laughs> all right. Definitely seem like stoners, but you never actually see them smoke weed at all. Yeah, a little PG. Uh, behind, Wayne's World was a little PG for uh, them smoking a joint. Although, I would say Bill and Ted. Okay, 100%. Like obvious stoners. Definitely the California uh, vibes, but uh, 100% but I, stoners. Again, never really show them smoke weed. And I guess to close out that list, I was really the head of it though. Beavis and Butthead. Uh, <laughs> always implied stoned idiots, but never actually seen smoke weed. I think it's always just implied that they're idiots and not so much stoned. Okay, yes. Yeah, see, I, uh, uh, as a kid especially, you know, being a big Beavis and Butthead fan as what, like, what were we, like, eight or nine, you know what I mean, ten when mm. we were big uh, Beavis fans, definitely always kind of looked at them more as, like, idiots and, you know, like, half, uh, like, mentally challenged kids as opposed to uh, <laughs> stoners, although once you hit high school, I guess, what's the, what's the difference? <laughs> they all put us in the yeah. same special education class anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, really. Speaking about some slow kids, I think I've definitely said it on the show before, but I know when I was younger in middle school, there was a good six months to a year where I only talked in butthead voice. <laughs> I mean, I still pretty much exclusively laugh in butthead voice, but... <laughs> <laughs> One of our early reviews, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that's definitely a, uh, that's definitely a, a good list right there. Of characters, uh, I guess maybe kind of even a piggyback on that, but uh, a scene like a, a whole thing that's very implied to be smoking. Although I don't think that they're ever actually seen smoking. But how about the gang from that '70s show in the basement? They're obviously getting high. Sure. I don't think that they're ever. Uh, uh, maybe it's like a smoke-filled room, but they're not hitting the weed on a Fox sitcom. However, you know when they go to the no. basement and they're and they're even so much show. So the smoke is always like even on like one of the first episodes, like how so lights and incense stick. 
Okay. And, like, puts it down. Interesting. And so, like, that's where the smoke's coming from. And so, okay. smoke. Yeah, you're right. I don't think they ever actually show a Yeah, ball. yeah. Like, everybody knows what's going on. Even just, you could even parody that now by just the camera cuts and all that kind of stuff. And you'd be like, oh, that's mm-hmm. 70s. I mean, if you're a big burnout, you'd fucking, <laughs> you'd pick up on that one real quick. But uh, it's like a very iconic weed culture thing that is actually not, uh, Fox could win the lawsuit very easily. <laughs> for sure, for sure, yeah, and I'm sure they call. did, as a matter of fact. But, but I guess to kick off the movies, and I'll even throw a curveball in this one too. What I would say, it's definitely made to be an anti-weed movie, but it's become such like a cult classic. Is like the old 1920s PSA Reefer Madness. Okay, of course, of course. Just like a hilarious thing, like when you're like 16 years old and getting high, like watching it and being like, "Wow, this." Is yeah, it's basically like. Uh, did you say it was from the twenties? I believe it was like maybe wow. twenties. I, I thought I, I didn't think it was that early, but yeah, it's definitely just like a, 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 a very legendary like anti marijuana propaganda that goes on, and it's just like meant to be now uh, in repeat viewing for uh, high school potheads that giggle along to the potential uh, uh, troubles okay. and problems that weed would. For sure, uh, nineteen thirty six. Thirty six. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's like seriously like one of the first like talking pictures though. <laughs> right after Wizard of Oz, they fucking uh, uh, cut up Reefer Madness. Yeah, I, think I, guess, really that'll into, well, I guess that'll get me into I guess that'll get me into my uh, 19 Yeah, exactly. I guess that'll get me into my 1930s pick, but Wizard of Oz <laughs> exclusively watched <laughs> with the Dark Side of the Moon uh, soundtrack, but uh, a high school stoner classic trying to a get it timed perfectly and b uh, figure out if it's if it's not just a game in your head that's going on but yeah like i guess that song fits do you have any theories on the uh, uh a uh, you've, you've obviously tried i've obviously done it i've done it successfully i've even two i've gone to one of the laser light shows Okay, yeah, nice, nice. And uh, where they just do it for you? Yeah, that one they're kind of cheating. I mean, they really... Uh... But yeah, no doubt I definitely tried to do it. And I don't know, I can't remember if I successfully did it or not. But if you would have asked me back then, I'm like, oh yeah, dude, this is totally... Actually, no, I guess I always thought it was such a crazy thing because it was done by accident. I don't think like Pink Floyd intentionally was like, start now. Okay, no, dude, it's even crazier. Album. The Wizard of Oz actually did that, which is crazy because it came out like 50 years before Dark Side. <laughs> <They're> like, <"Look, laughs> However, it was actually them that coincided. <laughs> uh, wrap your mind around that. <laughs> yeah, I guess, then, I guess I'll get us into would... another one from there, but how about kind of in a similar theme to Wizard of Oz, but the whole hilarious genre of like uh, uh, pothead uh, uh, anime and cartoon movies like Fantasia or uh, uh, really like uh, anything from the more anime, Akira, anything from that category that's like a must-watch stoner. Uh... Sure. You could say like uh, uh, Yellow Submarine. Okay, Beetle great Yellow call Submarine, there. Called Tripped Out Fest. For sure. The, uh, trying to avoid the blue meanie and get high on the side. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but Fritz the Cat is another pretty uh, crazy animated movie about like this alcoholic pot smoking cat <laughs> made in the seventies, which is uh, it's pretty bonkers, dude. 
There was that, uh, uh, it could have, I thought it was going to qualify, but it was actually super psychedelic. And I'd say more of like a mushroom movie. But I forget what it was even called. But I'm sure we'll go, well, this will maybe segue us into his uh, movie collection. But it was a recent, like, Seth Rogen cartoon movie where they were, like, uh, uh, in a big grocery store. You know what I'm talking about? They were, like, products in a grocery store. But it was, like, a big, it was really, like, a, uh, a psychedelic journey. Of of a hallucination yeah, no, really tale. Yeah, well, especially too. Oh, God, what was it called? Because at the very end, too, like they are brought to mention that they're in a cartoon. They're like, yeah. "No, you're voiced by uh, Seth Rogen," and <laughs> yeah, it was a very turned out movie. I had uh, just in the Seth Rogen aspect of it, though, Pineapple Express. Okay, uh, on there, of course. That's really grown to be one of the more recent years, like all-time uh, stoner classics, you know, mm-hmm. of, of the late 2000s. That's probably the number one on the list. Yeah, and it's just pretty because it is like your classic pothead, goofy movie, and then it does sort of like randomly turns like an action flick. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like The Gentleman almost, where it's like... But yeah, definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a pothead stoner comedy classic turned in to like Devin said, fast-paced a uh, high action thriller. Yeah, no, yeah. But with the uh, comical stylings of Danny McBride, you really can't go wrong. Exactly. When you get a Danny McBride and Seth Rogen uh team you're definitely going to have – I guess even Danny McBride's like one of those where very, very synonymous with like pothead shenanigans, but he's not necessarily like smoking weed in all of his movies, but like beloved mm. by potheads across America is Danny McBride and his various – For sure. Uh Sausage King, or Sausage Party. Yes, Sausage Party, exactly. I guess, let me throw out mine, I guess, for my, like, just definitive pothead uh, stoner movie. There are a couple of the, the, there's the short list of true classics. For me, the definitive stoner movie will always be Friday, all right? It's Friday, ain't got no job, you ain't got shit to do. But uh, uh, that was definitely, like, you know, a repeat-watching favorite uh, definitely, you know, part comedy as well, kind of part action, part drama at the end with the late John Witherspoon <laughs> uh, uh, giving you some wisdom. <laughs> but, um, you know, from the uh, weed deals, from, from smoking all the weed they were supposed to sell, very relatable to <laughs> stoner movie plot, but... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I would say the coattail off of your Seth Rogen thing kind of something I was thinking about. But Dazed and Confused, you definitely think like a great stoner movie. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I would say it's kind of where you get your uh, like Matthew McConaughey being this stoner guy. And, That's like, where it all comes from. Besides the fact that he is, but like really think about any other like McConaughey movie where he's like playing a stoner. Yeah, you think like so synonymously with him like Matthew McConaughey being a stoner guy, but like for sure, really. Dude, one of really interesting. I think we. Where he's actually playing a stoner. Yeah, uh, but up until the uh, up until the gentleman, it's. Uh, but dude, you want to yeah. know it's interesting too, and I'm sure we've talked about it before, probably on last year's 420 when we brought up McConaughey uh, and Days and Confused. But have you ever seen the uh, uh, McConaughey auditions for that, where Linkletter like had to totally 
coach him in to how to being that like uh, beloved pothead that we all know now. But if you uh, uh, so YouTube funny. the auditions, Matthew McConaughey, Days and Confused, and watch him trying to spit out those lines that are now like so iconic and all, it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. And it does show like the evolution of, of Matthew McConaughey. You're totally right because that's like has become so synonymous with his image, you know. Uh, I guess even before that, but we have Spicoli, another total burnout character. Sure. I mean, I guess uh, uh, was was Spicoli ever was he like ever actually smoking? I think he definitely like told the the teacher he was going to go burn up. But yeah, I think there's a uh, yeah. Actually, it's a good point. I don't know there's actually a scene him smoking. I guess Sean Penn would have gone the other way though. With uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, definitely. Yeah, you look at Sean Penn now, you don't think of classic. No, old, he tries to resist Spicoli as much as possible. I guess getting us back <laughs> yeah. into Dazed and Confused, like you were talking about, though, definitely one of the all-time classic as well. Just in terms of like, uh, uh, especially uh, high school stoner relatability to with like the uh, establishment versus the burnouts. You know, where it's like the yeah, the kid no, on the football they... team has to choose. Am I doing the Am I hanging with the stoners or going with Coach? And there's a very... Uh, I mean, it's a very high school-relatable movie. Every, like, high school group is kind of represented in it. There's even sure. that terrible B-plot with Adam Goldberg and that orange, <laughs> yeah. fluffy-haired girl. No, no, for sure. I mean, it's really probably more of a high school movie. We could definitely throw it in, in, in our last day of school uh, or our summer movie, Closer Look. Our you school's know? out for summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but definitely, you're right, like a, a, a high school movie, but the iconic, you know, uh, cr- and McConaughey, uh, mind you, is like in his early 20s in that movie, hanging out with a bunch of high schoolers, <laughs> like the known crew. Well, yeah, I mean, that... <laughs> they keep staying the same age. <laughs> but I guess we'll get you into a couple more uh, just iconic, legendary uh, pothead uh, stoner movies, I guess. Uh, in recent years, uh, I-, I said Super Troopers late 2000s. That was probably still early 2000s. Another uh, couple early 2000s uh, classics. But Harold and Kumar has really grown mm-hmm. to be like all-time stoner movie. And especially if you're of a certain age, that's probably your definitive. Uh, as well as Super Troopers, which is probably on the cusp of the 90s. But uh, just, you know, entire movie revolving around one big weed joke. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I'd say a couple to me that were, like, go-to stoner movies, and both two, they're kind of two that snuck in. Like, one wasn't really advertised as such. That was definitely Grandma's Boy. Okay, um, yeah, but, I uh, mean, like, for sure. It was advertised as, like, video game. It was with his grandma, and he's 40, from all the Sandler guys. But then it just turned out to be, like, this super pothead movie. Like, yeah, yeah, the 100%. The whole entire movie, they're getting high. It's like, okay, <laughs> I would say another one like that is kind of different. I mean, obviously it was advertising like this, but uh, one that's near and dear to me is uh, Method Man and Red Man, How High. Oh, of course. And only because it just turned out to be so good. Like, he went into that movie and was like, I was watching this garbage. And then I was like, fuck, that was really entertaining. Yeah, man, honestly, we've talked about it before, but it's amazing that that, like, comedy deal, because they were definitely setting themselves up, branded, because both of them in their music are so heavily, like, they're so heavy weed smokers just in their in their music, and then uh, they've obviously got such great chemistry together. When they came out with that movie, you were expecting them to be the next era of Cheech and Chong and, like, a whole series of Method, of Method Man, Red Man, Pothead movies, and it's really amazing mm-hmm. after how good, how high was, that that was really the end of the line for them and uh, of course method man has like went into more serious acting but how that like like comedy duo of method man red man has not made like a whole uh 
whole shit bunch of horrible movies is really beyond me. Yeah, yeah, me too. They uh, that movie's so good too. They even talk about it in the uh, that new Jake Silent Bob movie. They uh, one of the recurring jokes is Jake keeps talking about how much he loves How High so much so that there's a fantasy sequence with Method Man and Red Man. In it too. <laughs> nice. I mean, I guess right there are two great characters that you can throw in there. I mean, I guess they have smoked on screen, but Jay and Silent Bob are, you know, uh, stoner heroes for, for sure. sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's the whole thing. They're weed dealing outside of the, the quickie mark. And I guess, I mean, I just brought him up. Yeah, I guess that's it. But uh, I guess I just brought him up. But, I mean, you can't do a, a stoner movie list with, of course, uh, uh, the real uh, godfathers of the whole experience. But Cheech and Chong revolutionized the whole uh, stoner comedy genre, you know. And, uh, absolutely, really, dude. What's up? I said absolutely. I agree with you. And have really, I guess we've kind of got a little bit of uh, one of each as Cheech has kind of broken out of character. However, Chong has totally stayed typecast. (laughs) (laughs) Chong actually, huge breakout role for Chong in a a recent Nick Cage uh, horror movie, Color Out of Space, that I talked about on one of the winter movie previews. was kicked ass. I'll get into it maybe some other time. But uh, Tommy Chong, amazing role as himself. But Cheech is like, like, you know, you'll see him in like more serious stuff. However, neither one of them can ever really outgrow, outgrow them. So much that like no, they, yeah. he still goes by like Cheech, you know. Uh, uh, so, Cheech Marin, yeah. Yeah, so much that they still even go by Cheech and Chong. But, uh, but uh, uh, the movies definitely yeah, like stand up. I'm sorry, the, uh, but the movies definitely stand up the test of time as well in terms of comedy classics where they're like, you know, super, especially Up in Smoke, but super, super funny movie. And uh, uh, like I said, really more just like uh, innovative in the genre of stoner comedies. Yeah, and I would 100% agree with you too, even like you were saying, they would be the first because even before the movies, they were like the first to like be putting out like the albums the comedy album it was just all of them just getting high like <laughs> when you think of like the beginning of like pothead movies and everything yeah you really have to say they would be the first ones to like just come out and do it maybe like some of the uh, lampoons movies it's like kind of a subplot implied but these yeah the uh, teaching song ones were the ones that really just came out like no this is a movie about us getting high like, <laughs> yeah yeah there's no question about it that is the plot yeah yeah no for sure so I guess, I mean, like Liam said, you can't really go any farther than Cheech and Chong. You know, you got to end them on the top of the list where they rightfully belong. But that was some of our favorite uh, stoner movies and uh, characters. Uh, maybe look back and see if there's anything we forgot from the last time we did this. And of <laughs> yeah, course, do your homework and use our uh, last shows against us. And, uh... yeah. <laughs> and of course, uh, you know, if you have any uh, that we left out that you want mentioned, you can always email us in at the Geek Up Podcast at gmail dot com. That's or, the Geek Up Podcast at gmail dot com. Liam just figured out today that it rhymes with email. <laughs> uh, um, but of course, even the better way to do it is join us Friday night, eight o'clock uh, Eastern time, for uh, our Geek Up Zoom Room Party Chat, man. We're interactive, where we want to hear from you guys. Let us know some of the stoner movies that we missed out on. We will definitely be getting your favorite stoner movies and characters uh, on the Zoom room on Friday night. And, of course, too, we'll be taking golden ticket recommendations for Netflix and chat. Uh, Next episode of Netflix and chat will be coming out right after this. 
and you, of course, I said, are watching Mark Wahlberg, Spencer something or other. Spencer Confidential, starring Mark Wahlberg, <laughs> with his brother Donnie, <laughs> nowhere to be found. <laughs> so look out for that one. We'll see you guys Friday night. I guess with that, that would be this episode of Geeked Up, uh, Life in Coronaville, Part 3. I'm Devin Barnes, that's Liam Whalen, and I know you don't have to work tomorrow, so why don't you go ahead and get geeked up. Hey, ooh, baby, it's time to get geeked up. Woo! What's up, y'all? This is Mr. Woo Baby himself, Andre Davi. You're listening to the Geeked Up Podcast on SoundCloud. Yeah, and I'm still taking those episodes and emails, y'all. Woo! Music and gaming, you know what I'm saying. Comic books and tech. 